Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Leadership Conversation. And I'm super thrilled today to have Rod Loy. He pastors North Little Rock First Assembly, a tremendous church, missional church, probably one of the most influential churches uh, in this hour. And uh, it's just a real privilege to have him. He is an author of many books. He is a dad. He's a father. Uh, I guess the father comes before, uh, or the dad, or the uh, the husband comes before the dad. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. And uh, he's a granddad, and I'm sure he's probably got some pictures on hand of those grandkids. But a real privilege to have you, Rod. Thanks for taking time to be on this call today, as we're just conversing with tremendous leaders like yourself. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Darren. My honor to be with you today. Yeah. Hey, listen, tell us how you're doing and have you found any in-house ski slopes or Florida beaches that someone's come up with during this quarantine out there? We are hanging on. I I have I have yet to find like the McMansion tree houses or anything like that that I'm seeing online, which would be so amazing. Uh I, I think some people expected this would be easier, uh, you know, not having physical services. And I can't remember a stretch of working more hours with more stress and more challenges. But we're we're holding on and and doing okay. And our tech guys are working 80 and 90 hour work weeks. So wow, they are stretched to the max but uh, the Lord's still doing good things. Yeah, significantly new busy for a lot of folks I've seen. Very much so. This this does not feel like a break in any way. <laughs> so maybe you're looking for vacation when it comes to, quote, what normal might be here in the days ahead. When Whatever the new normal looks like, I will be looking forward to an opportunity to uh, spend a couple days on a golf course and Turning, turning off my computer and not doing Zoom calls all week long. I think we're getting video fatigued maybe just a little bit along the way. Hey, thanks for coming on. Hey, uh, is there any interesting, inspiring book you've been reading through this quarantine that uh, you might want to share as a resource out there to some folks? Besides your own books. Hey, it's, 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 it's not bad to read our own books. Yeah, my problem is when I read my own books, I'm mad at myself for what I didn't say, or I, I read it. It's kind of like when you watch yourself preach. Uh, yes. You know, that's, you watch yourself and you just agonize over everything you said that you shouldn't have said and everything you didn't say that you should. Uh, even yeah. even though you think you can go back and re-record it, you gotta get it wrong every time is what I've learned. Totally I'm, with you. I've been reading Unoffendable. By Brant Hansen. Unoffendable. Unoffendable. And okay. it, it is really, really challenging. Every year I pick a book of the year. It might end up my book of the year for this year. Um, wow. I mean, just challenging the thought that there is such thing as righteous anger. Oh, and come on. Challenging uh culture but 
particularly Christians, uh, how easily we're offended by sin and how easily we're just offended by other people. It, it deconstructs your right to be offended in a, mm. in a powerful way. I, I'd like everyone in my church to read it so they come back to a different church a different way. It's, it's amazing. Wow. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I was watching you guys uh, early on, and it was really interesting to me. I saw some posts along the way when they began to roll out or just give some information about social distancing and quarantine. And I saw you guys talking about what would it look like if we didn't do church like we're doing it now? There were some posts uh, similar to that. And when I read it, I thought, man, I, I think I think those guys are a little too ahead of this conversation. And then whammo, you guys nailed it. Well, you were thinking ahead, you were processing. Man, I just want to know, I think it'd be very interesting to know exactly what you guys were thinking as a team, you as a leader, uh, early on, because it did appear that you guys were a little ahead of the game, maybe in what you were thinking. Uh, you were projecting quite well, and you nailed it. So, man, let us in on what you were thinking, what was in your head, what what you guys were talking about behind closed doors, if you could. Uh, yeah, we... Uh... I, you know, I don't claim inside information or that, that God shows me everything. I think he, he certainly illuminates truth. Uh, but we do a lot of strategic thinking. And thinking yeah. time, we consider working time. And mm, so that's a lot of times it's activity keeps you from thinking. And mm. so we build... We build best case scenarios and worst case scenarios and medium case scenarios and then try to try to look and forecast which do we think is most likely. In this particular case, uh, as we looked at it and just kind of the trajectory, we felt like, okay, we need to be asking questions more for that worst case scenario because it's more likely than medium or best case. And wow. so when it came, we were, we were poised to make our change because we'd already worked through the emotions of it. Uh, we'd already worked through the, the feelings of it. So then when that, when that happened, then it's just, okay, we're going to pull the trigger on the logistics of it. And yeah, that, that's really a lot of why we were, why it appeared we were moving fast. Um, is just that we we dealt with the emotions in advance, and so when you when you're having to deal with all the emotions while you make the decisions, it slows down the logistics. When you deal with the emotions ahead, you're there. When we when we started, uh, we always think. <laughs> you, I've been talking about it a little. You can't. I, I used to run distances. I, I can't now. I've wrecked my body. A couple miles is all I can do. But um, if you run a marathon and you start at a sprint pace, you flame out. And mm -hmm. so at the very beginning, we said we got to pick a finish line for when we think we're going to be able to do a in-person service again. And mm -hmm. so the finish line we picked at the very beginning was May 17th. And so let's set a pace 
with May 17 in mind, that's the next time we think we're going to be together. Uh, it appears, we'll see, it appears in Arkansas May 10 is going to be the first day we're, we're able to be together in some semblance. We're not certain yet. So we're close on that. Now we're looking and saying, when do we think is the, is the time when our whole church will actually come back to church? And so now we're, now we're trying to build that. What does this look like over the next however long? What do we, what do we think the date is when everyone will really feel comfortable coming back? And now let's build another timeline that yeah. moves towards that. Oh, we had an advantage over a lot of churches in that uh, we launched our online campus 10 or 12 years ago and significant investment uh, last year in our online campus to, to dramatically upgrade it. And so we had all the pieces, the technical pieces already in place. We were, we were already, I mean, we had 35,000 people a week online before this started. So we were already, we were already there. And so it was already a primary audience for us, where for many people it was secondary or didn't exist. It was already a primary for us. So then it was just, okay, so we got to move, shift these primary audiences to this primary audience and, yeah. and see if we can bring them together. Yeah, which leads to another question that I was thinking of in our conversation today. Uh, so you guys are and have been tremendously missional over the years and influential in that regard. How has this impacted your decisions moving forward? Obviously you have thought strategically, you've, you, you've talked about how activity uh, really hampers thinking sometimes, it roadblocks it. So you've thought a lot, you've strategized a lot. Obviously the missional dynamic, having online church many years ago, you started that. Uh, how has the missional aspect influenced your decision-making moving forward? You know, I've been really concerned about that because the natural inertia of an organization in crisis is inward. Mm. That's the way we're wired as people. So if, if you if you are sick, you're selfish. That's especially if you're a man. If you're sick, you're selfish. You're not, you're not thinking about other people. You're thinking of how bad you feel, how fast you want to get better, and how you can get and it, that's just the natural uh, reaction of a human. That's the natural inertia, inertia of an organization to turn in and protective. And so we've, we've forced ourselves to do some things that are counterintuitive that would keep us thinking outward and mm. thinking about others. So in the middle of this, um, we launched a new online campus. I can't talk about it. It's odd, it's online, but I can't talk about it online because it's in a restricted country. But wow. one, one of our most aggressive um, partnerships in, in reaching place where the gospel's never been, uh, we launched that in the middle of this uh, because we just, we can't let the crisis and fear about finances keep us from reaching out. And oh, there, there was a point in this journey where I was spending too much time worrying about the money. And mm -hmm. so our, 
our one of our leadership team members uh, just approached me and said, "I think we need to, I think we need to do something different, and I think we need to, I think we need to invest in some other churches." I know it doesn't seem like the right time, but we need to do it. And man, it changed everything for me when I just spent three days going and giving it away when when everything inside me said we need to keep this, we need a hoard, we need to hold and hoard. And wow. but we know that's not the way. We know open-handed, open-hearted living is what the lord blesses but and in this case that was a little more challenging so those outward focused things and then it's okay how do we help the congregation be outward focused so wow little rock is an area with lots of uh lots of hospitals so this week we took a a special offering to buy cupcakes for uh healthcare workers and so uh, we are delivering cupcakes and in individual boxes with stickers on it, wrote a song and did a video. Uh, so it points them to the video and the cupcakes are amazing. I mean, they're from a gourmet place and we're delivering, you know, over 2,500 cupcakes this week and just saying, we love you. Well, that, I, I know that sounds cheesy and it's simple, but it, it let, everyone in our church have a chance to be outward two dollars and 75 cents you can be a part so we just we needed things that don't make us think about woe is me how bad is our situation that's you know if we look at the early church they were being when second first and second peter was written christians were being burned at the stake to provide light for nero's parties and and there wasn't an excuse to draw in and think only about yourself. So we're, we're fighting that uh, with everything we can and just recognize, for us, the important thing was at the beginning, recognizing that was gonna be the inertia and then having a team leader in the middle saying, okay, hold the phone. Yeah. We're, we're starting to be what we don't wanna be. Time to give away money. Time to do what doesn't come natural to us. Yeah, counterintuitive in so many ways, but uh, our perspective changes when we do that, right? Because it goes from obstacle to opportunity. So instead of seeing all of the bad, uh, filled with bad news around in our culture, we see the good news and opportunities that we can be involved in. That's beautiful, Rod. Uh, mm -hmm. I appreciate your leadership in that way. Now, I've always done that individually. When this started, Cindy and I increased our giving. That's how we've always responded to crisis. First thing we do is we up our giving. Wow. Strangely, it's a little more difficult for me to do for the church. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't, I don't see my money as my money. So I, you, you give it. But for some of us, the church money, all of a sudden I'm thinking about other families and other people, and it's a little more challenging for me. But we got there. We're in. I think we're in the right place now. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, you know, obviously leaders deal with challenging times, not just this one. And obviously other challenging times prepare us for challenging times like we're dealing with right now. Uh, what have been some practical ways that you have navigated personally through challenging times and have led others through and uh, and on the other side of that challenging time? 
Well, I wrote a whole book about it. Uh, my most recent book, Help, I'm in Charge, is just a, a story of, of my leadership journey. And I, one thing that really helps me is I chronicle. Uh, I chronicle my mistakes. <laughs> and so the book is filled with it, I think, on paper. And so I, I do that and write it out. And here's where we're at. And here's, here's what I felt in this moment. Here's where I was going through. That helps me process well. I, you know, Darren, at the start of this, I sensed an opportunity for the church. And I, I told our team, we get a free look. Now, I understand it's not free, but we get a free look at what our church would be like in persecution. Mm. Mm. Wow. You know, that's the church in Eritrea. It's been, that's probably been a decade ago where they found out, you know, on a, early in a week that the next Sunday would be their last Sunday. They'd be allowed to meet together publicly. Think about it. Then persecution began. So. If we can't, if we can't continue to love and care and be outward in this, if we can't be committed in this, what are we going to do uh, if you're, if, if persecution comes? So we get to find out, we get to find out ahead of time. For me, it's a lot of it is reframing the crisis at the beginning of it. Many times at the back of it, you say, what did I learn? At the beginning of it, I want to say, what am I going to learn? Oh, so, wow. Good. Crisis, what are we going to learn? We want to learn these competencies. We want to learn these ways to think. We, what are the parallels to this that, that can help us? And so for us, it was persecution. You know, I'm not per persecution. Jesus did. <laughs> so it's coming. And, and Jesus predicted it. So we know it's going to be there. And wow, this has been a trial run uh, for what it would be like if we're not allowed to meet together. And so we've learned some really, really valuable lessons. Uh, and that's well, painful to think about or even forecast, but you're absolutely right. Jesus promised it. Jesus. It so, so it's coming. And so I, I think that's a lot of it is leaders have a tendency in crisis to just be reacting to whatever's happening at that moment instead of just pausing and saying, okay, what am I going to learn? What are we going to learn? And then, the, then there's reflection in the middle of the crisis. What are, what are we doing well? What am I doing well? What are we doing bad? What am I doing bad? I mean, right now I can give you, here's the bad things I'm doing in this crisis. And at the end, the same thing. What did we learn? What did we do well? What did we do poorly? What did I, as the leader, do well? Uh, what did I do poorly? And I, I capture that. I capture that in writing. So later, we'll look back and say, okay, what were the mistakes? We're going to make mistakes. Let's not make the same ones. Let's make a different one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so good. I just want to encourage everybody that's listening right now to grab that book, Help, I'm in Charge. Uh, by Rod Loy, and you can find that on My Healthy Church website as well as Amazon, and probably where many books are sold, but but check it out because it's such good material, absolutely right, very, very practical, and thanks for your transparency in that book and all the books that you write. You've got 
just a, a true sense of authenticity that comes across that really connects with people. So I appreciate that, Roy, uh, Rod, so, so very much. Uh, a couple of questions I, I want to get in. Maybe I won't get them both in uh, before we close today, but you guys have been so tremendous in reaching young leaders and your influence there carries very, very strong. It, it, interestingly enough, you've got two sons that are in ministry with you there. Uh, that probably has something to do with it, uh, at least the, the outcome of, of your outreach to so many young leaders. But I'm just curious to know, how do you do uh, investment in the next generation? How do you think that through? What, what's some of your goals in regards to that? And then I, I want to conclude today with just some hope that you have for churches, uh, including your own, as well as the church at large on the other side of this crisis. So just talk to us for a few moments. I think one of my biggest regrets is that I'm not part of this generation coming up. Mm. I think the tools, the passion, uh, the the mindset to be the generation that accomplishes the task of taking the whole gospel to the whole world. Uh, I would I would love to be in their generation. I get frustrated when older generations get mad at millennials or whatever, come on, let's, let's just, let's recognize some incredible strengths in that generation. And so yeah. if I believe that, and I do, then, then what's my kingdom assignment? Hmm. What's that? Well, it's, it's to pave the way. Wow. It's to put a target on my back and, hmm. and arrows so they don't have to mm. if there's any way I can make myself a target instead of them I want to because I wow. want I want them to be able to fully do what God's called them to do and not be stifled by people who are threatened by the way they do it and so I I would rather put myself out there and I do I take a lot of shots because of my love for an investment in this younger generation every yeah. shot um, third i look to what is the scriptural mandate if i look to the example of paul and timothy um, paul didn't go look for other people of his same place in ministry or life what did he do he said i'm going to strategically invest follow me as i follow christ and for me, it hasn't been complicated so much. It, I think it's a heart issue rather than a technique issue. And when it's your heart, it's whatever you love, that's where you spend your time. Yeah. I love this generation. And so that's where I spend my time. Yeah. And so on, on Wednesday nights, I, am, I haven't been in our Wednesday night service in years. I know where it is. I have no clue what they do. Um, I have no involvement in it, planning, direction, anything. I'm a I'm a youth staff member. I'm I'm not I don't I'm not there to investigate. I'm not there to evaluate. I'm like any other youth staff member, and I'm hanging out with students and I'm listening to them and building relationships. We start we start identifying our stars. The people we think that God has a special call and hand on their life in third and fourth grade. 
And then part of my role is I need to start building relationships with them at that age. Wow. I want to be in their life for their whole life to help, to help shape their life. Mm. So I'm, I'm letting our team say, man, we see some special giftedness here and I'm, I'm investing my time there. So the traditional way of thinking is I, I get so tired of hearing it. I mean, I could, I could write the lecture. You need to invest your time, your high capacity donors. Well, you know what? That's not what Jesus did. And that's not, oh, wow. that's a business model brought to the church. And that is, that is not the example of the master. If you look at his, the leaders he chose, he didn't choose any high capacity donors and he didn't pick people with high potential. And, and so I don't know how we can take that business principle and spiritualize it to the point where we denigrate people who aren't spending that time. Wow. Hey, to me, we still have to go to scripture as our guide. Yeah. And yes. so that, uh, that is a, it's a hard issue for me. It's strategic for, for the life of the church. And it's, it's very, very intentional. And so, yeah, here's my technique. I spend time with them. Wow. You know, they'll send me a Facebook message and say, I, I'm just taking a chance. I know there's probably no way I could ever spend time with you. And so I'll call them. And many times I'll say, hey, I'll buy you a plane ticket. Come hang out for a couple of days. And let's just get to know each other. You just Come, come be on our team for a couple of days and let's hang out. No agenda, no purpose. Let's just be together. And man, wow. some rich, rich relationships as a result of that. And it's, so, it's beautiful. So, so good. I think you just answered the last one part uh, that we were wanting to talk about, the hope for your church and the hope for all of us on the other side of this is just to make sure that we've got a good, loving handle on the next generation. Darren, these are the best days for the church. And as I've watched in our own setting, as I've listened to other leaders, uh, my heart surges because unchurched people are coming to Christ because they're, they're, they're searching for something and searching for hope. Prodigals are coming back to the Lord because mm -hmm. they're, missing that anchor these are great days for the church i don't know i've got some ideas i have my thoughts but i don't know what the new normal is going to be but but what did god say in isaiah see i am doing a new thing new thing streams in the desert and so if we are in a spiritual desert look out here comes streams of water and I'm excited about it. Wow. Thank you for loving well. Thank you uh, for loving your church and your community and so many young leaders well, Rod. You've done that extremely well. And I believe that because we love well, we'll lead well. Because loving is more important than leading, but man, how it impacts everything else we do. I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for taking time today to speak into all of us and, uh, we appreciate you. We're going to have you back on another episode uh, if you'll be willing to do it. Absolutely. Send me a link so I can watch and evaluate and 
beat myself up on everything I wish I hadn't said. <laughs> Not a chance, man. Not a chance. But we'll make sure you get it. Hey, thanks to everybody out there for listening to another terrific episode of the Leadership Conversations. It's conversations like this that not only shape our schedules, but shape our souls. So until next time, let's create, grow, and invest together.